Deep pattern, downfield, touchdown Miami. What a throw, Devontae Parker. Holy smokes, what a drive. What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose each and every day of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, that's a wrap on day 15 and joint practices for training camp 2021. The next time we talk to you, we'll be recapping a game from Hard Rock Stadium for the first time since last December. And on today's show, we've got a long list of position-by-position analysis, some one-on-one matchups, top performers, the matchup or matchups of the day. And we get some good news as far as attendance on the practice field from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And let's get right into it right there with some good news attendance-wise. Preston Williams and Elandon Roberts were both activated off the physically unable to perform list and were at practice on Thursday. So too was Hunter Long back at practice. And Hunter was involved as much as anybody out there. Such a great sight to see as the entire press row was kind of worried about that injury when it first happened because it looked to be more significant than just a couple of weeks. But he's back out there going through work again. So great to see from the Dolphins' third-round draft pick, their rookie at that tight end position. No Albert Wilson, no Devontae Parker, no Will Fuller, no Isaiah Ford on this day. And both Lynn Bowden and Nick Needham exited with injuries on Thursday. Hopefully those guys are going to be okay. And before we get to the practice notes for Thursday with the Atlanta Falcons, I want to play some audio here from Coach and his Thursday morning presser. And first, he talked about the thinking behind the Greg Little acquisition, the new Dolphins offensive tackle. And I always find this interesting because the draft season is so much work from so many people to get your board of, I don't know, 200 players and then whittle that thing down to 50 players or whatever your number is. It's definitely different and varies by each team. But to get to your draft board, all that work just to draft seven players, give or take, whether you have more or fewer picks than seven, but it doesn't go by the boards just because you didn't draft said player. Let's go to Brian Flores on Greg Little and the work the Dolphins did on him back in 2019. Uh, I mean, we have some familiarity with him from the draft a couple years ago. Um, opportunity to, to, to get a young player, come in and compete. Um, look, it's a new environment, new locker room. I mean, this is, he's got to learn the playbook. He's got to learn his teammates. He's got to get, you know, uh, figure out the surroundings here in our building in this area. So um, I think, you know, the, the, the message to him is let's take it one day at a time. Let's try to improve, get better, learn the system, uh, get to know your coaches, get to know the players on the team, you know, figure out where the bathrooms are, figure out where the meeting rooms are, figure out where, uh, you know, like 595 is, you know, I think that's that's kind of where we're at right now. We'll take it one day at a time and just try to improve, get better, and, uh, you know, you know, once we, you know, we'll coach him up and, you know, see where it goes. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're happy to add you know, Adam. He's a... He's a um, my conversation with him was was very good. You know, he's he's excited to be here, and 
excited for the opportunity to compete. Uh, well, we, we had a 30, 30 visit with him, so we sat down and, and talked to him. And, um, you know, there was some good rapport there um, as far as, you know, his, his um, you know, love for the game and passionate about working and getting better. So, um, you know, I think, you know, obviously on film, there's he's, he's athletic and uh has size and was competitive on film, so um, you know, we're, we're we're happy to have him. And but look, if it's just, this is a process, and, um, and we'll just take it one day at a time and, and try to improve and get better. Finding out where five ninety five is, no truer words have been spoken by Coach Flores. Because once you figure out that South Florida is basically a grid, it makes things a lot easier to get around in. And so I thought that was interesting. Thought it was interesting to hear that the Dolphins had him in for a 30 visit as there are rules about how many players you can have come and visit your facility and work with them in the pre-draft process. Greg Little out of Ole Miss back in 2019, one of the Dolphins guys that way. And one player the Dolphins did draft with their first pick in 2021, sixth overall, was Jalen Waddell. And I liked what coach had to say about him this morning when he was asked, what has Jalen Waddell given you compared to what you expected when you drafted him back in April? Look, Jalen's a, a, a tough, smart kid. Football's important to him. Improvement is important to him. Uh, he's a good teammate. Uh, he's as supportive. I mean, he's as excited about you know someone else making a catch or having a good run or a good block as he is about anything he does. Um, so, you know, there's a selflessness there that, that, that I mean, we knew that, you know, and... Um, you know, it's 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 been fun working with him. You know, he's still got a long way to go. He's a, he's a rookie. Um, you know, still getting used to you know practicing in this league and the competition in this league. And you know, these preseason games, these practices, the joint practices are good for him and really all of our rookies. Um, but I've been very pleased with him. And you see that camaraderie on the field with Jalen going and dapping guys up after a big plays or whatever it might be. So. Two more clips here from Coach Flores before we get to the notes and some more sound bites from players. And actually, first, we don't need the audio for this, actually, because Coach talked about it, but it's good enough or brief enough to cover just on our own here. But he said they expect most guys to play Saturday night against the Falcons, and Xavier Howard also shook his head in agreement and said yes when he was asked after practice today if he would play on Saturday night. And I think that's a good segue into our final sound bite here that I want to play from Coach and he was asked specifically about Xavier Howard and when he thinks the all-pro corner will be up to mid-season or peak form, as the reporter called it. And Coach's answer took a broader scope and I thought was very insightful. Here's Coach. I mean, it's hard to, to, to get into peak form, you know, without games, I would say. You know, even in week one, no one will have played 60, 70 snaps you know, even if you call a dress rehearsal, let's say if we, you know, we did that in the preseason, it's not going to be a four quarters, right? Or else everybody will be yelling at me about taking take the guy out, right? So peak performance, I mean, you don't really, you can get close, but there's no way to mimic a 60-minute football game unless you do it. Um, and I think the first time out is different than the sixth, seventh, eighth time out. You know, so if you're talking about midseason form, I think midseason form is midseason. Um, that makes sense. I think that's a great point by coach. I also think it's worth noting that the Dolphins 
Started each of the last two years under Brian Flores at 1-3 and three last season and, of course, 0-7 oh the year before. But just last season, we saw this team really click in that Week 5 game against the 49ers, and then they went on to go 9-3 and three the rest of the way. So finding a way to get that performance right away out of the gates, out of the shoots in week number one could be the big difference this year for this team if they can make that happen and continue the second half of the season effort as well, putting that all together. So good stuff there from Coach. We're going to hear from some more stuff later on in this podcast. But for full transparency for today's notes, I had to make a decision. And yesterday I watched a lot of the Dolphins offense as they were on the near field. But today there was a bit of a stagger and certain team periods. What I mean by that is you're going to have reps on the far field, reps on the near field, and it's Tua and Matt Ryan working on either field. So you have the ones versus the ones and the ones versus the ones. And when the snaps go off at the same time, clearly you cannot watch both teams or both periods or both fields, whatever the hell I'm trying to say. But when they stagger those reps where like if someone jumps off sides and they have to go back into the huddle, then it's one rep runs, it finishes, and the next rep starts. You can't ID your fronts and your stuff like that, but you can watch the conclusion. So there was some of that today that really helped give me a better opportunity to watch both practice fields. However, just like on Wednesday, there were dueling seven-on-seven reps with one-on-one offensive line and defensive line pit drills against each other all at the same time. So four different periods occurring at once. Yesterday, I watched the seven on seven. Today, I focused more on the pit. So how should we do this? Just kind of thinking out loud here. Let's go ahead and go position by position and I'll mix it all together in a cocktail in the blender, so to speak, in that same format. Sound good to you guys? Good, grand, wonderful. Quarterbacks up first. Well, actually first, I want to play this audio off the top from Matt Ryan. By the way, not the best Chris Farley impression I ever did. I don't think I can do a good Chris Farley impression, but that's what it was from Billy Madison. But before we get to the Matt Ryan clip, I touched on this yesterday, but I think this week is such a good opportunity for this defense to get into some of their pressure packages and pressure looks and see how an opposing offense will deal with that. And more than that, how a quarterback like Matt Ryan deals with it because for a guy that's played over 15,000 snaps in his NFL career, he knows the fronts, he knows the coverages, he knows the disguises, he knows the post-snap rotation, and so he wants to gather all the information that he can pre-snap and be right so that he knows exactly what's going to happen post-snap and that allows the ball to come out quickly regardless of the pressure, regardless of if they have overloaded rushers for what you have on the offensive line to block with. And we saw this a lot the last two days. And the value to that for my money is Miami can then find out where the potential vulnerabilities are in those defensive looks. Because if Matt Ryan can't find them, then there just aren't many quarterbacks who will. So getting to that on tape, getting that on tape rather, to me is invaluable. Let's go ahead and hear from Matt Ryan on the work here with the Dolphins this week and how valuable it's been to him and what Miami deployed at the Falcons. I thought... I thought they showed us a few things. Uh, I was texting with Brian Flores yesterday. Brian and I were teammates at Boston College, and so uh, I was texting him just saying I was excited to come down. He's like, I know you've seen everything, so I put in some new stuff for you. <laughs> I was like, all right, man, don't treat me like 2003 scout team at BC, you know. Like, but they had a few, you know, a few different things out there today. They stress you defensively with, with your rules, you know, and they do a really good job. And they got us a few times. and. Um, we certainly, you know, had a few on, on our end too, that, that we did well. And you heard him say there that flow was causing problems in practice for Matt Ryan back at BC, but coach actually corrected that today at his media, telling us that Ryan carved them up. He was a freshman when coach flow was a senior at BC and they couldn't wait to get him out of there. Coach said, as far as Matt Ryan, and I don't have 
the BC backup quarterback in front of me here from 2003 off the top of my head. But yeah, Matt Ryan was the number three pick in the NFL draft in 2008. So you have to imagine that guy played pretty well from the jump in college. And so coach jokingly said, which one of those is more believable? Those him getting after us or us getting after him? The self-deprecating approach is always my favorite. So good on you, coach. And then just real quick before our own quarterbacks. And this is not about the quarterbacks either. Long way, long-winded way of getting there, Travis. Good job, man. Who here watched the Falcons' first preseason game? Dean Pease is there now. If you don't know that name, he's coached football for about a million years. And if you've ever watched Dean Pease call a game, you know that there's going to be a ton of pressure, a ton of blitzing, and different exotic looks. And they were getting pretty exotic in that Tennessee game last week. So the same goes both ways. And Tua and the offense getting a good look at some pressure packages. That's good stuff as well. And that's where we start. We covered pocket presence pretty in-depth on yesterday's podcast. I noted a few of Tungavailoa's subtle skills to buy that extra half second from the fadeaway, from pressure on throws that have a little bit more loft or touch. He made a few of those today very nicely. Another is throwing to a space, and you obviously don't rifle this type of throw. It's kind of laying it out there. But on one instance, Mike Gesicki comes across the field, across the formation, and he hasn't yet cleared that linebacker in the middle of the field. And what that means is, let's say Mike's running right to left, he's still on the right side of the linebacker, which means the linebacker has the advantage to get to the left side, right? Because he's on, he's got him outflanked. But Tua throws it ahead of time because Kaziki's running full speed and the defender is stationary, eyeing the quarterback. So lay that thing out there with some touch and then Mike can run under it and catch it and full stride. And he did that today. Another is the ability to expedite the drop back in the process of recognizing pressure. It's where you see him interrupt the drop back and get into a throwing position before he's completed that original drop back. And coach talked about Tua understanding his number counts from front side, back side, and how that can help you know where the lanes might open up to step away from that pressure, from that surge. And there was a rep in Thursday where pressure got in and Tua off both of his legs, almost like a basketball jump stop, just as a little sidestep, a little two-footed jump off to the side to get himself to that position on the field. The blocker then wins the rep because he can push the defender around that now vacated spot. And now Tua has a clean platform to throw from. So good stuff working there in the backfield. I thought it was a really good day and a nice continuation from what we saw last weekend in Chicago. Again, referencing that Brian Baldinger clip talking about his footwork and how much he had praise for Tua in that area. I also thought his placement and timing was back on point today after a little bit off earlier in yesterday's practice. He did throw one pick, and thanks to Barry Jackson from the Miami Herald for tracking this, it was his sixth INT in 15 practices, and that's probably like 100 throws a day, give or take, so pretty good average there. And the pick he threw was a nice play by the Atlanta defender to come off his man and jump right in front of Mike Gesicki for that pick. There was a period at the end of practice where it was all balls to the back pylon in the end zone and one of the prettiest throws of the entire training camp. Tua lets this thing go when Jakeem pretty much comes off the line off the jump from like the 12-yard line going in. And by the time Jakeem was to the back pylon, so was the football. And where Jakeem usually gets all kinds of separation, he didn't on this one. Good coverage. But there's no defense for a perfect pass. And this damn thing was nearly bringing the Miami Gardens rain we're used to seeing every summer day out here. He also had another throw to Jakeem right between a pair of defenders for about 30 yards down the seam, down the chute in a team period that required a good zip with a tight spiral to get that thing up over that underneath defender and hump that thing over him into the uh, second level, third level before the safety is there as well. So 
good stuff from Tua. There was another period where he took everything short, but that in and of itself is a great sign because knowing what the play has to offer and getting it to your guys quickly when you quickly realize that downfield is not going to happen is a good way to stay on schedule, stay ahead of the sticks, and who knows, maybe one of those times your back or your tight end or your receiver will spring one. So another solid day from Tua and nice bounce back. I thought Jacoby Brissett was sharp early, including a lot of nice strikes along the end line in the back of the end zone to a plethora of wide receivers. That's been the story all camp. But the two-minute period got away from him a little bit. Some high passes. He was intercepted in an earlier team period before the two-minute period. And staying in that backfield, stop me if you've heard this before, moving on to the running backs, but I really like Savon Ahmed. He caught another ball today up the sideline where he had a step or two, but the ball's just a tad bit short from Brissett. So he comes back over the top and plucks this thing off the defensive back's helmet, a la Randy Moss style for a poster shot. Another big time catch from Savon Ahmed. He had two other plays and they were running plays where he showed the suddenness and the shiftiness. On one play, he winds this thing two or three times, sets up a key block right at the point and then was off to the races, untouched for 15 yards and a touchdown. He, to me, most consistently has created more yards than what the blocking gives him on a given play. Does that make sense? Like he's been more of the creator so far in that backfield than anybody else I've seen in practice. Now where Miles Gaskin shines, despite the fact that he does everything well, including some really nice reps in the passing game, he transitions from receiver to runner so very well, but the area that stood out today was pass protection. And Greg Little is on a block in the team period and Miles Gaskin comes in to chip and help on that man, and he decletes the defensive end. And it was 92. Who is? I don't know. Don't have a roster in front of me. But Miles also caught a lot of passes. And when I talked about the transition from route runner to runner with the football in his hands, you see it on these throws into the flat where he catches with his back to the defense and turns that thing up. We saw that a couple times down around the pylon in the uh, red zone work. He made a ton of yards in the passing game today and really has all training camp long. At receiver, I thought Malcolm Perry looked really good today. We haven't touched on his game a whole lot this camp, but he caught some balls and showed the strong hands to catch the ball away from his frame. A nice developmental sign to see when you deal with a guy that was a quarterback at the college level. He did play some receiver too, but he was a quarterback most recently at Navy. Jalen Waddell, I cannot wait to see some of these situations play out in real game settings because again, today he caught one over the middle perfectly in stride. And there was only the post safety there trying to make a play on the pass from Tunga Bailoa. I want to see him stretch those legs out and the fans at Hard Rock Stadium going absolutely nuts when he makes that guy miss and when there's nobody in front of him, because when there's nobody in front of him, you ain't going to catch him, show him your taillights. For now, we'll settle for the catch, the burst, the whistle, and going back to the huddle. Kirk Merritt had another big day. He caught some tightly contested balls, showed strong awareness around the sidelines and in the end zone to keep the feet in. He just makes plays every single day out here, it seems. He's had a really good camp. Matt Collins pulled down a couple more red zone TDs. He also dunked one over the goalpost again and got flagged again. (laughs) Someone asked him after practice if he was just trying to get that out of his system, and I thought that was a great question. And so did Mac too, apparently, because he laughed about it. But even better, and this was a great media session all around, so I would encourage you to go check out that along with all of our media availabilities on the team YouTube page. But I asked Mac how he mentors the younger guys in terms of what coach Crossman is looking for on special teams. And here's Mac's answer. It's funny because I think special teams coaches are kind of similar, really just in life. They're all, they got some, some kind of quirk about them, but for cross, it's like, you got to be prepared. The thing he hates the most is 
when guys go out on the field and we have a group go out and there's 10 guys and you're that 11th guy, like, he really hates that. And I understand that's super frustrating. Like, your name's up on the board. We got a board in there. And, and like, the rule is check the board. Like, there's probably 15 TVs in our building that have the board with the, the depth chart of who needs to be where on what period. Um, so for you to mess that up and you're telling coach that, hey, I want to, you know, make this team or I want to play special teams, but you're not out there for whether it's the scout team or the look team or the starting team, um, that's not really a great look. Uh, so I, I tell all the young guys, like, make sure you're where you need to be. Uh, you're, you, you made it to the NFL, like, you obviously have some sort of talent. So when it's your time to actually play, you'll be fine. But make A nice little insight there into the attention to detail this coaching staff shows and displays. And, I mean, you knew that, but it's, I'll always take those little nuggets of info here on the podcast we can get from the players. Back to the receivers, Jakeem Grant was terrific today, just absolutely terrific. Over-the-shoulder catch, catching the football in traffic from Tua, Hit another one just like that where he survived some contact going to the ground and hung on to the football. The only thing he really didn't do was get free on a takeoff route. But frankly, we just haven't seen a lot of that the last couple of weeks in practice since the initial onslaught down the football field. The tight ends had a big day today. Adam Shaheen has been productive really since he got back from the COVID list. Mike Gesicki made another handful of absurd catches. I love the way he's become kind of the bully as the route runner through contact. There's a rep today, and I think we posted it on social, on Twitter, where Mike absorbs contact and breaks off the route with a little subtle shove, a little nuanced shove, but nothing at all close to what would deter a, or would rather garner a penalty flag from the official. And I put the backer completely out of the equation to create that space. So good work there from Mike. And what's great about this too is Mike, he's drawn several pass interference flags the last couple of days. He's a good bet to get you down to the one yard line automatically placed at the one yard line when you throw to him in the end zone, because oftentimes the only way to stop him from scoring the touchdown is to interfere with him. And finally, fun moment during the one-on-one period. He thought he was interfered with on one particular rep that didn't go complete. The ref didn't throw a flag, so Mike went up to him, pulled the flag out for him, and dropped it on the ground. Laughs all around. Durham Smythe had some good work off the edge in the run game and caught the first ball of team period from Tua for 15 or so yards. And then Hunter Long. Not only was Hunter Long out there, but he was very active. He caught some balls today and looks to be moving pretty well. I've said this a few times, but man, I just did not expect that to happen. It was a good lesson when speculating on injuries because it looked a lot worse than coming back just two weeks later. And also happy birthday today, Hunter Long. His birthday's on Thursday. And then onto the offensive line. And I got a good look at this group today, especially in the one-on-ones. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you who I thought did the best in those, just the names. Michael Dieter, Robert Hunt, Greg Little, Matt Skura, and Liam Eichenberg. Those were my favorite consistent reps on offense. On defense, Zach Sealer, Christian Wilkins, Raekwon Davis, Manuel Ogba, Adam Butler, Jason Strobridge, and Jalen Phillips. Kind of the usual suspects there. Back to the offensive line for some more in-depth analysis here on the Drive Time Podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Michael Dieter, and I mentioned this yesterday, but his ability to anchor continues to show up to me. The added strength looks apparent in his game. A little extra sand in the pants as the scouting community refers to it. And in teamwork, there was some good runs down the middle, and I just continue to be impressed by some of the technique as he shows patience and getting into what I perceive to be good angles in the running game. So continuing a good camp there for Michael Dieter. I thought Liam Eichenberg was was terrific today. And that, that's not you know a superlative word that I want to go too far with, but I thought he was really good. I talk about patience all the time, and he seems to have a really good feel for the landmark that he needs to be at to be able to get 
the edge rusher prevent him from flattening that edge and taking the corner. So when he does corner, Liam knows, you know, he can run him right around the quarterback and out of harm's way. And he did that on the first team rep of the day where I isolated him and as far as watching him on that on that one play. Then on to the next, his man crosses face, Liam punches and gets knocked back, then gets into his pass set and picks up a looper and stonewalls that guy too. So good communication, good passing off, good technique, good balance. That's going to be the trait I think that stands out most initially with him, if you ask me, just the understanding of rush plans, counter moves, angles, and how to use the defender's momentum against him. He was a just a very smart player at Notre Dame. I think we saw some of that today at the right tackle position. I think Robert Hunt has been the most consistent member of the line this camp. I talked about some of the good runs coming off Dieter's backside, but Robert Hunt, the same was true of him. In fact, he and Jesse Davis had some nice space clearing reps today and team to get backs a crease off the edge and up the inside as well. And as far as pass protection goes, one-on-ones, team, whatever, you know, I, I rarely, in fact, I can't recall the last time I saw it, I rarely remember a time where Robert Hunt was chasing a guy into the backfield. He's been really solid in that area. I got a good look at Greg Little today. You see that power very quickly upon watching him that Coach Flores mentioned. If he can get the pause on, you're going to be tough to win that rep with him. It was good to see him getting instruction from Coach Lemuel Jean-Pierre through the last two days. It'll be a crash course like Coach Flo said earlier, but Good place to come get some coaching down here in South Florida. On to the defensive. Man, these guys had themselves a day. Let's start by saying, first of all, how really good Calvin Ridley is. In fact, I bet you didn't see this coming, but it's the matchup, matchup, matchup of the day in the middle of the podcast. It's really the Falcons passing game against the cover guys of Miami. I thought today was really good after Eric Rowe had mentioned some communication errors in Wednesday's practice. So, Pretty much all the chunk gains I saw out of the Falcons came via Calvin Ridley. So he got his two, but our guys had some good reps going up against him and the Falcons' number one receiver this year with Julio Jones out of the picture. But the very first rep of the day that I watched actually didn't even happen. Xavier Howard is impressed up against Calvin Ridley, and he had to come back, Ridley did, to the line to run the rep over again because he couldn't get off the press. And X just shut that thing down, physical, aggressive rep from Xavier Howard. Then Byron Jones had a good rep on him, then came back later in the line for another one in one-on-ones, and it took a third move by Ridley to get free. We saw it all over social media, but that was a win by Byron, if you ask me. Not sure how much you want to do that on Sundays as far as making three moves because I've never seen a triple move work in the end zone with pressure coming to the quarterback. But to see Byron be able to start and stop and stay in phase twice on two moves, that's a great sign to see. Eric Rowe had some good work on Kyle Pitts again for the second straight day. You know, everyone's asking Eric Rowe how helpful it is to see a player like Kyle Pitts. And it is, don't get me wrong. But it's great for Pitts to see a player like Eric Rowe. He had a pass breakup in one-on-ones and forced Pitts out of bounds when he went up and made an amazing leaping grab. But again, didn't come down inbounds because 21 was there to shove him out. And finally, I was watching Jerome Baker cover tight ends and backs again because it's so much fun to do. And he was all over Hayden Hurst. He carried one route on seven on sevens down the middle of the field, stride for stride to cut that thing off. That's a great value to have with your linebacker to go that deep in coverage. So those are the top matchups. Let's go ahead and stay in the secondaries. We talk about the defense. During a lot of the Falcons drills, I saw the ball coming out short and quick, whether pressure or just the coverage, holding serve and forcing checkdowns, a lot of throwaways and a ton of sacks late in this practice. Xavier picked off Matt Ryan in the first team period and then had fantastic coverage on a deep shot to Calvin Ridley. 
Ridley comes back and elevates for the football, but X is right there to contest. Ball gets tipped up into the air, and Javon Holland comes from absolutely nowhere for the interception. Javon Holland's range has been a joy to watch all training camp long, and X just looking like he picked up where he left off in 2020, competing, getting his hands on the football, generating takeaways from a very good offense here in the Falcons. Byron Jones, I thought was terrific today as well, the whole secondary, but Byron was sticky, making plays on the football, and the coverage on the back end was just very solid. You don't get the splash plays, but just by the virtue of the quarterback's decisions, very few vertical shots, and you could often see 30 and 22 McCordy and Holland capping things off and showing the quarterback's color to make them think twice about going down the field. Eric Rowe had a hell of a week. Can't wait to watch him play on Saturday. So did Jamal Perry. He nearly jumped a pass to the outside for a pick that just wound up being a pass breakup, but he's flying all over the place. Fun players had a really good training camp so far. Nick Needham was having another really good practice, but had to leave right at the very end. I'll update you guys on that when he, we get it from him, but he left on a cart, but he jumped off the cart and walked back on his own power. So I, I don't think that was necessarily a sign of anything to come, but like we've learned with Hunter Long, we'll find out when we find out. Craven LeBlanc and Nate Hawley got in the notes here as players. I just jotted down for good, quiet work. They didn't have anything crazy like a pick or a fumble or whatever, but just being in good position with good technique and good reps. Back into the front seven, I had mentioned Baker, thought he was very good. I thought Calvin Munson had a really good day. He's kind of a load coming downhill to fill gaps against the run, B-gap to B-gap. Also had himself a PBU in the back of the end zone in team period two. Andrew Van Ginkle had a really good day today. He picked off Matt Ryan and took it back the other way for six in the team period. Also had a pressure later on that forced a throw away, then had a pass breakup in the end zone in coverage. And you can find these videos on Twitter if you search my name and Andrew Van Ginkle's name and go to the video section. But I've been talking about him in coverage since his Wisconsin days. He just seems to really get it. Always in correct position and knows how to close down and just doesn't just cover grass. He covers jerseys when he's in that position, in coverage position. Up front, Christian Wilkins, who has had a great camp had, I think, his best day today. His effort shows up time and time again. Outside runs, he's out there chasing guys down through the whistle. But he's also powering his way through blocks. And the best part was watching him in the one-on-ones where he seems to have a, a nice, maybe newly refined, deep arsenal of pass rush moves. I saw him on one play throw a double hand swipe and it completely displaced the blocker, just chucked him a gap over and created a free run down the middle. He's been a beast. And also today he addressed the crowd before practice. I think it's on, it, it is on my Twitter. I think it's on the team account for sure for a better angle. If you want to check that out, him coming out and saying thank you to the fans. That was pretty cool to see. And Emmanuel Ogba, what a monster he was in practice, just like he was last week in Chicago when he wrecked the two-minute drive there, did the exact same thing today against the Falcons. Three sacks, one, two, three sacks in the team period, two-minute drive. And I had a chance to ask Emmanuel after practice, what was the key to the success in those two-minute drives, not just this week, but last week in Chicago as well? <sighs> Relentless effort, just keep rushing. Even though it's a sometimes quick patch, I just got to keep rushing. You never know when it's going to open up. That's a good mindset to have. And he was just working that upfield shoulder. And it sounds weird to say this, but he can really get under the block and get low to the ground, even at six foot four, to win those reps inside. He also was asked by another reporter about how those situations kind of help you fill out your rush for game day or game type of situations. And he answered that question talking about how it's more realistic to have that type of a period, a live period, to get those moves in. It does because it's realistic, you know. Uh, during the game, we always have too many, either before the half or after the game, uh, right before the game ends. But, uh, you know, just going out there, just execute the game plan we got and just doing my best to get back there before the QB gets rid of the ball. 
And we'll go ahead and finish up here with Emmanuel, who was asked about the identity right now of this Dolphins defense. I loved his answer. Playing together, relentless effort, you know, physical, you know, disciplined team. That's the goal every time. So, What more do you want than that? I also thought Jason Strobridge had a good day working one-on-one pass rush moves and denting the edge in the run game and team periods as well. And Raekwon Davis had a few more of those run through another human being type of reps also had a great pass rush move with an arm over that I saw that got him into the backfield very quickly and Zach Sealer just doesn't give knockback at all like I have yet to see someone consistently move him off the football all right we did matchup of the day already how about your top performers Mike Gesicki caught a handful of passes and really all week was getting open catching the football showing some physicality the top of the route as well good week for Mike Gesicki. Xavier Howard, a pick, a big part of another pick as well. Just tight coverage and and one-on-ones, seven-on-seven and team period all day long. Javon Holland, another interception, continuing to do a good job of limiting deep passes for the opposing offense. Christian Wilkins in the backfield, chasing things down, high effort, pass rush run defense, really doing everything. Jason Strobridge gets in here for some good pass rush work as well as the running game. Andrew Van Ginkle's coverage continues to stand out and what he does in that area as well as rushing the edge. Savon Ahmed, another big play in the passing game, some shake and some wiggle in the running game as well. Calvin Munson, the solid run defense, the pass breakup and the passing period or the red zone period, I should say. Jerome Baker, tight coverage all day, some pressure on the quarterbacks and Tua Tungavailoa got in to the notes after a strong finish to practice and just putting the ball on the money a lot throughout the course of this day and let's go ahead and finish up this podcast with a couple of apple podcast reviews paul carps says he listens to every episode since i found this nice podcast look forward to it every day thank you paul we appreciate that and then we have a question here from that's me lou lou asks Number one, love the podcast, can never get enough. Thank you. But number two, with Kinley having a good enough season last year and not pooping the bed against the Bears, that's funny, and uh, any chance Eichenberg moves back to tackle, also with that second and one run play, the play was stopped because all the offensive linemen were cut blocking, not necessarily bad blocking. Who does that fall on? Well, first, yes, good observation. Going to the ground on a cut block will happen 100 times out of 100 times because a cut block means you're trying to chop them down at the knees and get them to the ground. So don't look at guys in the ground and say bad thing if it's a cut block. As far as responsibility, I just can't possibly know that without the assignment and rules of each guy. I think you can look at the execution of the cut blocks, but then there are factors like, should there have been a check by the quarterback? Did the running back make the right read? In football, there are just so many things. I mean, we heard Coach talk about this on Tuesday on the Wednesday podcast as well, about how there's seven or eight guys up in the booth pointing out different parts of the defense pre-snap on a given snap. Then you've got 11 guys who run the play. It's just a lot, but still a great observation there, Lou. And I think the point here remains that Miami needs to find out how they're going to be successful in short yardage. Obviously, it wasn't great in Chicago. They did convert a third and short, or was it fourth and short? Either way, fourth and one or third and one. But the sample size is, is pretty small right now. So maybe we revisit in a couple of weeks. Sound good? Great question, Lou. And with that, that is going to be my time. Caroline, daddy is coming home. In the meantime, you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. You can follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the fish tank with Seth and OJ. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.